Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, your host, coming to you from the studios of Relay365.com here on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute, which is a division of Silver Birch Ranch. I'm speaking with Chloe today, and Chloe was with us our last podcast, and we were just ending on a very interesting note. Because if you listen to the podcast, and I invite you to go to Relate365.com and get it if you want to, but if you listen to it, you realize, okay, I'm talking to a young lady that's 24 years old that seems confident and, and seems to have some ideas on what she would like to do in life. And I ended by asking her if guys were intimidated by that, that she were dating. So let's pick that up if we can, because... I'm just fascinated that you'd even talk to me about it and <laughs> and and find out. I have two daughters, by the way, so okay. this is not a new thing for me to sure. try and figure out. Yeah. Um, but are guys that you have dated or whatever, are they intimidated by you? Um, initially, so I said in my answer that no, guys should not be intimidated by me, or they're not. Um, but initially, guys are. And I think having, you know being 24 and having had relationships in the past, I think that that intimidation comes from my confidence in God and my confidence in his ability to do great things in me. Um, I definitely, um, I'm very, very passionate about um, young girls being, and like knowing who they are in Christ because I feel like that gives them such a confidence that no TV show or marketing group could ever give them. And I think that the world gives or produces these false identities for girls, and then that just lets them down. But anyways, back to guys being intimidated by me. Um, I think that the right guy is not going to be intimidated by me, but actually admire the fact that um, I do have a confidence. And that's not to be like super prideful or anything. Um, If you actually get to know me, I... I don't like being recognized or having the spotlight or doing anything like that. I would love just to serve and not be seen kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but and I've I, seen that, by the way. That, that, you have? Yeah. Okay. Um, and that's totally Jesus. Yeah. Um, no, I definitely think when the right guy comes around, he's going to see me and then recognize that the intimidation that guys most of the time see is because of the work that Jesus has done in my life. Okay. So... You know, uh, a couple things as you as you were talking. Number one, I think confidence and pride are two different things. Sure. Having confidence, if you really know, for example, how to use a chainsaw, <laughs> you're confident you're not, in your ability. You're not prideful when you grab the chainsaw. You just you just know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, my dad years ago, when we were talking once, he said, "You know, Dave, you got to understand um, that your own personality." He said, "You always look like you're going to kill somebody." And if somebody gets to know you, they realize that's not true. But their first impression might be mm-hmm. that you want to kill them. Or, or I shouldn't use that phrase. What, whatever, that you are mean or something. Okay. And what they haven't seen is, for example, on the football field, I used to invite the kids that I taught. In, I was a, a student teacher, you know, or the kids that we worked with in our wanna clubs. And so after the game, I used to have eight-year-old kids come out on the field and tackle me for an hour. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. Because they got a kick out of it. Well, really, it's very interesting. Once you get to know somebody, confidence shouldn't be something that is threatening to anybody. And if it is threatening to you, then you need to reexamine who you are. 
Sure. Because confidence. Let me ask you this. Does this mean that you want to, if you get married someday, that you want to be the leader in the in the family? No. I, uh, I actually, my previous relationship, I felt like I was like the spiritual leader and that to me, I didn't want that. And, you know. So, no, I don't want to so be So, how leader. does somebody lead someone like you? I mean, if, I, if you're confident and you know what you want to do in life, and let's say I'm a young man and I want to date you, I'm going, what sure. do I do? I lose because <laughs> she knows what she wants. I don't even know what I want. Yeah, I think when the time comes, like the right marriage, it's, you know, two becoming one. It's two people who are able to look to Scripture and then do marriage the way that Scripture says it. I, for me, I know that as a wife, I am to submit to my husband. And, you know, it's it's not like this, like, you know, the husband dictates everything I do. It's more of like a partnership, but you're both looking to God for direction. And I think the right guy, you know, he'll be at the moment or the time where he needs to be. He'll be at the place and understand, you know, what I want, what he wants, what God wants, and it'll all work out. You know, I tell young men, concentrate on being somebody that your wife would want to follow. Mm -hmm. And that's okay if you ask me to. I mean, (laughs) lead. Uh, I read a, a, an article once that a bunch of ladies were together and they were talking about what they really wanted from their husbands. 100% of them said they want him to lead. Yeah. 100% said that. Now, I can't even remember if this was a Christian group or not, but mm-hmm. 100% of them said, I want my husband to lead. Wow. And I thought, well, yeah, that's biblical. And then, of course, one of the ladies said, what do you mean by that? I mean, do you want him to you know, beat you into submission? Or do you want, yeah, I mean, well, of course not. Sure. What do you mean by lead? Well, they have to do things in life that you can look at and say, I want to emulate that. Exactly. I, I want to I be like that. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't mean that they're more talented than you. Sure. It doesn't mean that they have more ability than you. It means they live in a way where you can emulate it. And and you want to emulate it. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting is uh, some of the examples these ladies gave. They said basically... You know, like, I, I love my husband to come home from work if he wants to go out to eat. I don't want him to ask me, where do you want to eat? <laughs> I want him to say, let's go to McDonald's. And then I want to say, how about something else? <laughs> but I want him to lead. Sure. You know what I mean? I don't want him to come home and say, well, we'll just do whatever you want. I, now, what, what that happens is I'm constantly leading them mm-hmm. and saying things. And I never really know whether... We're doing something that he really wanted to do, mm-hmm. you know, or not. Right. I just want him to say what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. And then we can have a discussion about it. Yeah. But the idea of leading is important. And I just wondered if that's a value to you in the, in the future as well. Definitely something I look for in a guy. So So if you're a guy listening, I'm telling you, <laughs> you, what you need to do is realize that God, he didn't make men and women uh, superior or inferior to each other. He made them different. And he made them different on purpose. And I think that every young lady down deep in her heart wants someone to cherish her, want her, and lead her. And when you find that person who honestly does that and it's not a manipulation, then you have no problem giving your heart to that person. And, and so young men, pay attention because I think that's a very important principle you know, in life. And if you're a young lady listening, uh, do you think that there's there's young ladies, do you know any maybe or seen some that um, get desperate and think, well, I'm never going to find somebody, so just grab anyone that's out there that's available? Yeah. 
I that think that happens doesn't a lot. Well. No, doesn't. No. I, I, I would tell a young lady, and I have, um, it's better that you're single and miserable than married and miserable. Yeah. It's better that you're single and lonely than married and lonely. Well, I think even if you're single and lonely, you're still not because you right. still have the Lord. Whereas if you're married and miserable, I mean, there's yeah. you're kind of stuck there. So yeah. If you are not somebody who is enjoying God, enjoying life, and living like you should, and you're looking for a marriage partner to solve that, that's not going to happen necessarily. Mm-hmm. You need to be the person you should be right now. And... Allow God then to put you in the in the right place with the right person. You know, I remember when my wife and I were at dating stage. We the thing that we really had in common was camp. Mm-hmm. Um, she loved being a counselor. She loved being. She was a teacher. I was a teacher. And in fact, when she was up here in the early years, she was up as a counselor for the girls and stuff. And and I was always busy working. And and she would. Uh, we was back when we had three weeks of girls camp and we had three weeks boys camp so she was a counselor for three weeks in a row and I was usually taking groups out in the woods doing something and working and she would go home totally exhausted her parents would say so did you see David and she'd say well hardly <laughs> but but really what impressed me through that time was she was a confident person knew what she wanted to do she loved kids she loved God and I said I want to marry that girl mm. I mean that was my brain yeah. it was like this this lady already knows what she's about sure I, I don't want to f- you know at that point I was saying I don't want to find somebody to live with that is following me around and trying yeah. to figure out what their life is so that mm-hmm. I have to be there all the time and she um so I uh, it took of course she dumped me like five times so I, I had to really <laughs> chase her to, to make this happen yeah uh, but eventually it worked and uh, it was funny because from a very early time because of our commonality and because we saw each other serve, and I tell young people often, you know, I think you should be developing your own personality and developing your love for the Lord. Go serve and let God in that environment bring you somebody who will also be serving and having some kind of mentality like you do. Yeah. Don't, you know, uh, some of them give up. They say, well, I have to go to a bar to meet people or whatever. It's like, really? Mm. That's not the kind of person you want to meet. Sure. Especially if they're there for that reason. Oh, exactly. You go to a soup kitchen. Yeah. And look for some guy serving soup. You know, perhaps that's where you'll find <laughs> somebody who actually has a, a heart. Yeah. Um, now, you go to a Christian college. I do. Are you glad you go to a Christian college? For me, yes. Um, I did community college for a little while. Um, You know, I could just sense the darkness within those environments. And I did did really well in school, um, but I could definitely sense that Jesus was not there. He was in me, but the um i'm just this little person doesn't mean i don't you know witness to people and stuff but i could definitely feel um just the brokenness there are you a good student um i try to be (laughs) um no i went to wheaton college yeah if you got an a minus you jumped off a bridge so i'm not that crazy a nursing school is very hard so if i get that 89 i am off the walls or 88 okay um so um the lowest score i can get is a 78 Eight. So okay. if I get anything above that, I am praising Jesus. But yeah. um, yeah, no, I really 
um, I'm very blessed to be able to go to a Christian school and to be able to afford that because it's also a private institution. Right. So, um, yeah, I love that we pray before class, that, you know, the gospel is something that we could talk about in class. My professors, you know, I can talk to them. They pray for me. It's it's an amazing place to be. So what do you think about debt? Are you in student debt? Do you have a lot of debt? So that's another thing. I didn't know if I wanted to go to school because I was like, I don't want all this debt. And that's, I mean, the thing that everyone thinks about. Um, And God has been so very good. I get an amazing scholarship. Um, I am paying a fraction of the price. Um, I will have some debt, but I I can see the benefits at the end, and I know that the Lord will provide for me at the end. Yeah, I encourage young young people, go and check it out. Don't get sticker shock with a college. Yeah. The first thing you see, it's like, I'll never afford that. Go apply. See what you actually end up paying. Mm Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes there are scholarship funds. There's ways to do this. Oh, yeah. And, and if you work hard, you can get scholarships yeah. too. And I think you have to have a philo- your own philosophy. I mean, there's there's a point where it might be silly. I mean, there's guys that took student loans and bought cars with it and all kinds of stuff in, in mm-hmm. my generation. And, well, I'm sorry. That's, that's not what that was for. Yeah. And then they pay it for the rest of their lives, you mm-hmm. know, trying to do that. So somewhere you got to make sense out of this. Right. Uh, because you do have to pay it back someday. So I... If you're a good student and you sound like you are, I was a football player. Mm-hmm. So I. So I you were fo- a good student. <laughs> My last two years I was. But okay. here's what I learned. I'll share something with you. It's weird. But really, I, I learned my first two years. I, I went to Chicago Public School for grade school, high school. I never read a book, never did any homework, never did a thing. Wow. I played football mm-hmm. and I was a swimmer in high school. And then I got asked to play football in college. So I went there. And I played football, and I thought it would be the same. But I went to Wheaton College, and my first semester was over 7,000 pages reading. Wow. And I'd never read a book yet. <gasps> okay. I, I didn't ever actually turn in a book report. So I didn't even know how to do that. My first paper I turned in, and this guy's a dear friend today, he turned it back to me with a note at the top saying, when you learn how to write, turn it back in. <laughs> and I thought, I'm in trouble Uh-oh. right from day one. Yeah. It's not that I was dumb again. It's that I went to a school through a system that I didn't have to do anything. And mm-hmm. I enjoyed my sports more than I did anything else. Um, but when I was there, for the first two years, I really struggled. I mean, I just really struggled. And I remember my, my going, at the end of my sophomore year, some of the upperclassmen I was meeting with, my brother went there as well. And uh, I was just talking to him, and they said, well, you got a simple problem. I said, what? You're trying to learn this stuff. And I looked at him and said, what do you mean? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? No. You just got to pick the right teachers and give them what they want. And I thought, oh, get out of here. <laughs> but then they taught me how to do it. I got straight A's the rest of the time I was there. Wow. Because it was, but that's why I went into education in a way. I don't want to do that. I want you to learn. I don't want you to learn what I want you to do so that I give you a good grade. And so that's been kind of the, my whole premise the rest of my life for teaching has been, somehow I got to figure out how to teach you and not have you just go through the motions of learning. And honestly, Chloe, you're a nursing student. I want you to know this stuff. Yeah. I don't want you poking me with a needle because <laughs> you please the teacher. Yeah. You know I mean? I don't, I don't want that. No, I want to learn too. Yeah. So. Now, how much time do you spend on homework? I mean, do you have um, a social life at all in college? My social life is my school. Okay. So, but like, I have a really, really good awesome nursing group and we just do life together i mean i i'll be at 18 credits this fall 
and basically so like per credit hour that's how many hours you should be spending outside of class time so um i probably read about at least four to five hours a day doing homework and that stuff too um so yeah i definitely like i have to like tell my mom i'm like mom i miss you so much like and so i make time for her i make time for my dad and my family um and my other friends that aren't in nursing school um but that is really hard so i just i really give I try to give the semester to the Lord every, every time, because I know that it's only like through him that if I'm diligent and I keep up on my stuff, that I'll be able to have a social life. Yeah, so now you, you mentioned, so it's not unusual for you to study four hours a day. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. I, I remember even when I was in college that when I was learning how to do this mm-hmm. and I was actually learning material my first two years, <laughs> yeah. I, I went and um, I had lunch, I had supper in the dining hall right when it opened at four. And I was in the library by five, and mm-hmm. I stayed every night till 10. Yep. And that's what I did. Wow. And and that's why I got through anyway. I mean, it wasn't, again, I, I was just behind. It wasn't that I was dumb, it's just I never got asked anything sure. when I was in high school. Yeah. So I had to start from a, a different stair. Well, and that's okay. And, and eventually I got there. Eventually yeah. I got up the staircase, I graduated with honor, I, everything was fine. Even when I started playing the game with the teachers, and some of it was I was in the education field, which was my natural bend, but um, I still learned a lot and how to become a teacher mm-hmm. through it all. And and I have taught now for over 40 years and loved it, not some in the classroom, but mostly Bible. Um, so it's, it's kind of fun to see. It, if you're in college today, spend the time you need studying. Yeah. Because this is not permanent. No. You will not spend four hours, five hours a night the rest of your life studying something. <laughs> so yeah. allow yourself to realize this is temporary in nature, but necessary right now to get to where God can use you down the road. Sure. And uh, you don't have to like it, by the way. Nope. No. You still got to do it. Yeah. It's also, I have found it extremely um, helpful and also crucial because I have I found myself kind of like not being in my Bible a lot during the right. semester. And so I just really encourage other students and other nursing students who are just extremely overwhelmed because it's a you just get smacked in the face with a bunch of stuff in nursing. Like Absolutely. I had no idea. And so I'm one of the older ones, which is fine. You definitely go back to school whenever you want because. So they call you Mama Chloe or something? Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> I kind of, I don't look 24. Right. I never get 24. Okay. Um, but no, I just, I found myself just loving life so much more when I committed, you know, 20, 25 minutes of just doing a devotion and writing in my journal and right. just spending time with God because. I mean, nursing can be your life and everything, but it's not Jesus. So, yeah. You know, I, I compare that to my, my father-in-law did not like chiropractors. He was a doctor, and it, yeah. he was in the era where that was a curse word. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my very good friends is a chiropractor, and I go to him, and um, my rotator cuffs are gone. They've been destroyed. Wow. And he has worked it so I can use my arms well and, and all kinds of stuff. Uh, but what's really interesting is I keep asking him, when are you finished? I, I don't want to come back here. I, I mean, when are you? <laughs> when is, He said, you're not. And the reason I'm not is because all the scar tissue. He said, what, sure. what has to happen is we have to break that scar tissue up so it doesn't get to you, mm-hmm. you know, down the road if, you, if the scar tissue. So what I've understood is I need to keep going to him mm-hmm. to get the pain in my life adjusted so that I'm, I'm not painful. Mm-hmm. 
and I, and I keep thinking that's how I do it with God. I, I need to get adjusted every day because there's a lot of pain in life, and I need to get back to the real of life and, and the source of life so that I can enjoy life. Yeah. And uh, so I appreciate you saying that, and I think anyone who's in college needs to take that seriously. You need to mm -hmm. spend time enjoying God, and then you can enjoy people, but you also need to sacrifice while you're in college and study. Yep. So don't. There's a balance. Yeah, there's there is a balance there. So speaking of balance, we, do you like to go out to fast food restaurants or any restaurant? Um, I like going out to restaurants. What, what's your favorite? Um, so it's not in. Um, so I live in Illinois, but um, I'm originally from California. And there's this one restaurant. It's called Buena Forgetta. It's so good. It's an Italian place. I've only been there like okay, twice. Okay, knowing my background, I was going to say a Spanish place. Okay, no, very good. it's Italian. Okay. So, um, and I get the every time I get the same thing because that's just what I do. So, do they have that in Illinois? No, they do not. So it's on the West Coast. But so if you had a, a, a like you were going somewhere just real quick, where would you go? A really quick. A, um, a fast food kind of. Place. I like Mod Pizza. So okay. You make your own I've never pizza. heard of that either. But or Blaze cool. Pizza, one of the two. Okay, I've heard of Blaze. It's like your personal 12-inch pizza, which I can actually eat all by myself. Yep. So. Yep. <laughs> I hear you. So, yeah. And yeah I we did that in Milwaukee with my, one of my daughters. They just opened one, and we went there, and that was kind of fun. Yeah. No. So, are you a coffee person? Mm. Actually, no, I'm not. Okay. It's too... Um, it's a too acidic for me, but I am a barista back home, which is kind of ironic. It so is very ironic. I make coffee, but I don't drink it. <laughs> okay, my, my basic question to you then is, how do you know when it's a good cup of coffee if you don't drink it? So, I mean, I have drinking it. Okay. Um, I can't drink a lot of it, otherwise I get an upset stomach. So I know a good cup of coffee when I taste it. Okay. Um, yeah. That's interesting. I never drank coffee till I went to college. Okay. And um, my first year, I needed to stay up so much that uh, we went to this place. It, we called it the Golden Ashtray. It, it really had a different name. But because back then you could smoke in restaurants, and there was this haze in there all the time. Mm -hmm. People sitting in there smoking all night. Oh, goodness. And But they for, for 25 cents, mm -hmm. you get a cup of coffee, and they keep refilling it as long as you're sitting Whoa. there. It was junk coffee. But, I mean, so I would... Still, it's coffee. Yeah, I needed so. caffeine, and, and of course, we were college kids, so you sure. go there. Uh, it was kind of like McDonald's. When I was in college, they were celebrating an anniversary where they made their hamburgers like 18 cents. Whoa. You <laughs> should have seen the college guys from our college go there, fill huge bags with hamburgers, and just put them in the freezer. Um, <laughs> it's hilarious. One, one of those moments in life where you go, only college people would take old McDonald's burgers and uh, re-eat them. Sure. Um, back here in the, in the um, 70s, you know, that, that they do that. Uh, very interesting. Now, it, the, uh, here's something my generation doesn't get. You were a barista. Mm -hmm. Those things are expensive, those cups of coffee. To very. Me. I mean. But you came from California. So is it expensive out there or is it just expensive both. here? I think it's both. Um, I think the fruitier and fancier the drink, the more expensive it is. So... Um, our cup of coffee is like just a largest 210, so it's not yeah. that bad. Um, I definitely think they're overly priced. Um, well, they make their money. I would rather invest in my own espresso machine and my own, you know, blender and make my own stuff right. at home. So, 
Yeah. How, how long did you live in California? Um, so I was born there. I moved over to the Midwest when I was nine. So I've been here for a while. So you remember California? Yes, I do. What is what is this? Is there a huge difference between Midwest and California? Definitely. Um, I am looking back. I'm very. Um, I'm just very thankful that I grew up in the Midwest. Um, I think not everyone in California, but there's just a, a, a stigma in California that I am just happy that I didn't have that as my childhood growing up. Not yeah. saying that people who grew up in California are any, you know, right. less different or special than I am. But um, yeah, I grew up right next to cornfields. You know, yeah. I spent every single day with my brothers. Um, but I mean, California is beautiful. If I could go visit anywhere, I would go right. over there. I love the ocean. So, yeah. It's interesting. When I moved up to Wisconsin, our area code up here is 715. Mm -hmm. And so affectionately, I call people from up here 715ers. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that's what they are. Sure. Or I was from Chicago. That's 312ers. So I started using area codes to describe people. Okay. And um, to me, again, I grew up in Chicago proper. Um, and life up in the Northwoods is so different than that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. You know, up here, I sit in the morning, I watch deer in my backyard, and, and I hear morning doves, and I see all kinds of crazy things that are beautiful. In Chicago, I could grab my neighbor out of his house and drag him out of his window if I wanted to. <laughs> so different environment. Sure. Um, but I, I really appreciate, I think, the fact that, uh, that you – I appreciate the fact that the Midwest has certain cultural values that I enjoy. Yep. And and so I'm glad I was here. And mm -hmm. uh, and I'm glad I'm out of Chicago, by the way. What, what, it, to put it in perspective, I heard a New Yorker speak. Uh, our president right now, at least during this podcast, is Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And he has a habit of saying things that are interesting, uh, one way or the other. I'm not even going to get political here. Just okay. He has a way of yeah. saying things. And a New Yorker got on one day and said, I don't know what the rest of the country is bothered by. He speaks like a New Yorker. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, really? I am so out of either coast. I mean, whether it be yeah. California or New York. If, mm -hmm. if that's a typical New Yorker and how they speak, I don't get it. Mm -hmm. But then again, I have talked to people in California. I don't know what they were saying. So maybe there is more of a um, geographical difference at times. But, but here's the thing I found through all that, because I've been all over the world to teach. All the problems are the same. Yeah. They're the same. People are lonely. They need God. They need to understand his love. Mm -hmm. They may speak different. They may yep. have different temperaments. But I, when I get right down to it and talk to anybody, it's always the same. They're lonely. And uh, I encourage, if you are somebody who's listening that's lonely and confused about life um, we'd love to help you you can go to relate365.com actually if you go to the bottom of of that page and that you can go and click on a place where you can talk to a counselor even and, and get help and talk to them about life and i think that's important it might be even on the silver birch ranch page i'll have to go back and look and see if it's there uh, but one of the things that you have to do is get your relationship with god right and then get your relationship with people right if those two things are right honestly the rest of the world can fall apart and you'll be okay and it's not being self-centered believe me it's just saying there is a god i'm not him i'm going to respond to him 
Well, I thank you very much, Chloe, for letting me get into your head. Yeah, no problem. Uh, today. It's been fun. And uh, if you ever get time the rest of the summer, you want to do this again, we can we can do it again. You can even bring a mob in here and we can interview everybody. Oh, yeah, that would and be fun. See, <laughs> see where we go. Um, but I do hope that those that are listening understand that they can have a dialogue with people that are older or younger than them. It doesn't have to be confrontational. You don't even have to think that everything that you think is right. But I think the dialogue's important because you need to understand how people think. And if you can understand how people think and you can agree on the most important points in life, which Chloe and I do, there's a God, neither of us are him, and there's a way he made it, so we're discovering that. Those can lead to some very good discussions, especially if you give room for the experience that each person has that's different. And whether you be from California, New York, or the Midwest, you realize that, okay, we can have a dialogue, whatever our age, wherever we're from, and we don't have to hate each other if we actually disagree with each other. Uh, so I'm Dave Wager. There's a program called Younger Older coming to you from the studios of Relate365.com. And uh, we invite you to check out that website and download these today.